And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Ginster on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and a happy Friday to you, our final day of the week. We made it. Matt, we did another week. We did it. We're here, sir. It went by quick, didn't it, Zach? <laughs> it did. And, I, and I, I forget what we landed on for our name of Friday's show. Of course, yesterday, Thursday's Friday Eve. But now that we're here on Friday, I don't think we've totally figured it out yet, but we will. It is Friday. That's the that's the best part of it. <laughs> it's Friday. Friday can stand on its own. Friday can stand on its own. And it won't be 87 degrees either, so that'll be a good thing too. <laughs> that's right. I'm ready for it, uh, you know, a, a few more weeks of somewhat uh, somewhat cooler weather. A full show today. Sometimes we take Friday to just talk you and I on the phone lines and talk about the issues we didn't get to, but it's it's a full guest show conversation today. Uh, to close us out on the show, Liz Pocock will be with us, the CEO of Startup Tucson. We're going to talk about ag tech and food entrepreneurship, uh, 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 an industry that is growing rapidly here in Tucson. We'll talk about that landscape and more. Uh, but to kick us off, I always look forward to uh, having a conversation with Tom Simplot, the director of Arizona's Department of Housing. We have a couple segments with Tom on the heels of some big news for him personally. We're going to look at and continue to look at the uh, the housing affordability, not affordable housing, it's there too, but housing affordability crisis in the state of Arizona. That's our show today. And of course, you're welcome to call in 520-790-2040 to join the conversation well, as you're listening out there live this morning. And that's the number that Tom used to call in. Mr. Simplot, always good to be with you. Thank you for making the time for us this Friday. How are you? Absolutely. Good morning, Zach. Doing doing great. Glad to be on the show again. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a number of months. Uh, but you've been busy. The The big piece of personal news I was referring to is that earlier in February, I think mid-February, the Arizona State Senate officially confirmed you as the director for the Arizona Department right. of Housing. Uh, congratulations on that. I didn't Thank realize you. it was interim, but uh, you're official now. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so always a nice... Uh, Always nice to know that uh, I have a little bit of job security to uh, to, continue, to continue moving on and uh, getting good things done. <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize it had been nine months, but May 2021 was uh, your appointment by Governor Doug Ducey to the role. If you had to look back over the last nine or ten months, what are the highlights? And if you're to look forward, what are the two or three things that you are really intent on uh, on working on in the next year? Sure. Uh, I think without a doubt, one of the greatest highlights is being able to redesign how we allocate the federal low-income housing tax credits here in Arizona. We uh, start on, started on that process immediately when I landed, and we took a process that was almost 300 pages and reduced it to less than 50 pages while meeting all of our legal and regulatory requirements. Why is that important? Because it means uh, investment money, capital that may have been flying over the state of Arizona is now realizing Arizona is a place to do business to build more housing, which, of course, Zach, you know, we desperately need. So I, I would say that that is definitely one of our high points. Another high point is in that process, we also took the new 
the newly created state low-income housing tax credit program and created a whole system and process while while designing the federal low-income housing tax credit process. So it's it's woven in together. Uh, without a doubt, that's that was a huge priority and a huge success because developers who need gap financing can now utilize the state low-income housing tax credit to uh, to correlate to the federal low-income housing tax credits that they would be receiving. Uh, this allows us to build uh, more supportive housing throughout the state of Arizona, so desperately needed. So those those are definitely the two high points. What are some challenges? You know, Zach, we've talked about it before. At the end of the day, with all these resources, with all this money, with all this financing, with all the help from, from Congress, we can't build any new housing anywhere unless cities and town councils agree to to approve the appropriate zoning and building entitlements that without a without a doubt zach that is our biggest challenge right now and will continue to to be our biggest challenge over the coming months and years i have a number of questions around that certainly we'll get into it in the second segment um i I forget the the uh, number soup of the legislation it was bipartisan Thompson plot that was being batted around the state legislature up until about a month ago, but it would have basically uh, forced cities' hands on certain kinds of upzoning, basically uh, giving cities and towns less control uh, over local development in terms of making more development happen faster. Uh, it was ultimately pulled off the table by, I think, Representative Chavez. Uh, I, I know this isn't in the realm of the Department of Housing, Tom, but I'm asking because you were a city councilman and you also were a head of the Arizona Multifamily Housing Association. So you've been in this world for a long time. There, there, there was some attempts at the state legislature to, to play with some of this. I didn't think they were good ideas. I'm a local control guy, Tom. But I understand the thought process. Where are you philosophically? Are you in favor of more statewide legislation forcing cities and towns' hands? Or are we better off trying to incentivize uh, allowing greater density, greater height, greater development happening in our communities? Great question. First, we should make sure the listeners know that that bill is dead as, uh, it, as is. it was created. That, that, bill, that yep. bill is dead. So yep. what... Uh, it was what Kaiser and Chavez, dead. I believe, right? Yeah, Yeah. right, right. What the developers and the, and the cities and towns have done instead, both, both sides of the issue have come together and are crafting an alternative bill uh, so that uh, everybody can study this uh, more fully, this, this issue, because it really is a huge issue. So where do I stand? Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, there needs to be some uh, leverage uh, uh, reestablished uh, f- for the development side, because as we've seen the past, honestly, Zach, 15, 20 years, the answer when uh, when neighbors, uh, neighborhood activists come forward is typically no. There's no room for negotiations, and we can't we can't build more housing with one with the simple word of no. That that's not going to work. So whether it's uh, homeowners and neighbors that come together and sit at the table, whether it's the developers who need to come sit at the table and figure out compromise, that's what needs to, needs to take place. So for me, uh, when I looked at that bill, to be quite honest with you, what I saw was a frustrated development community. And I don't mean just the housing developers. I mean the commercial developers, the retail developers, employers, the employment base needs 
needs housing for their employees. What I saw with that bill, what I saw was frustration to the point where they were going to go all out to grab attention, to get attention to the issue and elevate it to the forefront. And you know what, Zach? I think they accomplished that goal. And that's a good thing because now people are talking. And sometimes you have to go to that extent to get people's attention. And I think they did that. Gotcha. Interesting, interesting perspective. Tom Simplot is with us, the director of Arizona's Department of Housing, official director, the Arizona State Senate uh, earlier in February confirmed Tom Simplot as the director uh, after nine months uh, in the appointment role by Governor Doug Ducey. We have one more segment with Tom Simplot. Tom, I have a couple more questions related to this, um, but then also an item in the news around mortgage assistance I wanted to get your thoughts on since we got you live. There's a lot of dollars flowing into the state. That's one topic I want to talk with you about. That and more on the other side, part two of our conversation just ahead here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk, 1030 The Voice. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need. And in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point. We're with Tom Simplot, the Arizona director. The director, here we go. Friday words are hard. The director of the Arizona Department of Housing. Matt, listener Brian reminded us that uh, we were, we're going with Bola Thai Friday. So that, that's Friday's name. And uh, thank God for our listeners who pay attention, Matt. <laughs> they pay attention Keep to the show better than I pay attention to the show, clearly. <laughs> So, so thank you. You can always uh, – you don't have to come on the air. You can always call Matt uh, about anything, and thank you, Brian. I need to get a bowl of tie. Matt Neely uh, gave uh, some recommendations on where to do that. Tom, did you know that uh, Matt Neely's family was key in lobbying the state legislature in the 70s to make the bowl of tie the official neckwear of the state of Arizona? Did you know that? Right I here, did Matt not Neely. know that. I did not know that, but I love that. <laughs> So in his honor, it is Bola Tie Friday. <laughs> um, and another clarification, Tom, we were talking about House Bill 2674. I couldn't remember the numbers, but it was proposed by Republican uh, Kaiser and Democrat Chavez uh, to basically create by-right zoning in local municipalities uh, that allowed developers and builders easier, faster, bigger ways to create housing. Um, Arizona cities and towns uh, really pushed back on it. I was certainly not in favor of it. I understood the conversation being developed, but I didn't think it was the right way to go. So, Tom, I thought I would uh, I would get the numbers right on that during the break. Um, there was a mortgage assistance program, Tom, launched by your department late last year um, that has approved. This was reported by the by the by the republic uh, approved only 15 percent of the applications received so far there was 200 million dollars of COVID 19 relief funds dedicated to mortgage relief as of i think last week just over two million of that had been uh had been dispersed according to a dashboard by your department can you speak to some of the challenges thus far and getting those dollars out and, and maybe what we do about it to help those with mortgages who need assistance going forward? Sure, you bet. So the Homeowner Assistance Fund is uh, funded by uh, Congress. Arizona received $197 million and is to go towards not only mortgage assistance, but also utilities, internet, uh, past-due taxes, past-due HOA fees. So we opened up a pilot program last November the U.S. Treasury Department allowed Arizona to do that. We opened up a pilot program to test out the system and, and to see how it would all work, and it worked very, very well. The Department of Treasury gave us full approval in January, so the full program rolled out in January. Since January, we have been uh, working with banks and mortgage companies and utilities and et cetera 
to make sure that they have done all of their paperwork to participate in the program. So this is the catch, Zach. The mortgage companies and the banks have not yet turned in their paperwork, and we've been working with them since since last fall. So it's it's frustrating, but I will tell you, the banks are getting there. Just uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, our uh, director of banking and, and, and financial institutions, he and I sent out a joint letter to the lending institutions that had not yet returned their paperwork and implored them to turn in their paperwork so that people could get their mortgages brought up to date. That's what it boils down to. So uh, from our standpoint, we have about a seven-day turnaround, which is pretty good. So if mm. once an applicant submits all their paperwork, it takes uh, the Department of Housing seven days to get it turned around. Where does it go to? It goes to their banks. If their banks yeah. are sitting on it or have not returned their paperwork, then they're not getting their money. And that's the problem. So the banks are, what we're seeing from the banks is about a three plus week turnaround time. So we're mm-hmm. working on it. We're, we're holding, them to, holding them to the fire and we're communicating with them on a daily basis. We are tracking those lending institutions who have failed to turn back in their paperwork or who are a little tardy in getting the paperwork processed, even if they have done that. So uh, it, it's got to be a team effort. What's interesting, Zach, is between November and January, if somebody had looked at our dashboard, they would have seen, uh, and, and they can still see, by the way, a predominant amount of our funding available has gone to pay off past due utilities. You know why? Because the utility companies knew they needed to get their paperwork in order because they wanted to get paid. And that's what it boils down to. So uh, so the numbers look a little off. Uh, it is working. Uh, from our standpoint, it's working. Um, and we will continue to work with the lending institutions to ensure that they are in compliance with the federal rules with regard to the paperwork they have to submit. So we're working on it. Now, I'll also tell you this, Zach. Arizona, we are still in the top one-third of the states who are even, who are even issuing recovery money for mortgages. And that's a big that's a big issue to to think about. There are states like the state of Washington who haven't even submitted their proposal, their program to the federal government for approval. And let's face it, to get approval out of the federal government takes months, as it did for us. We were one of the first states to submit our paperwork for approval and one of the very first states to be approved for our full program. Good news for Arizona consumers. That's good news. No, Tom, I appreciate filling the question. You know, I think the power of this thing we do called live local real-time radio is we get to ask uh, in person the stories we read and then get the law form answer uh, that often can't make it into other types of uh, uh, of, of media-related conversations. And, um, and what I'm hearing is that parts of the private sector are moving at the speed of government. So that's a little hilarious to me. But good on, good on the Department of Housing for, uh, for being, uh, being one of the first uh, on this. I was shocked by another statewide story, Tom, maybe we'll close on this, uh, that showed that last year the only essential worker that could afford to buy a home in the Phoenix area was a nurse making around $85,000 a year. He or she could only afford to buy a home in Glendale, Avondale, or the city of Phoenix, Phoenix proper. And that wasn't speaking to the challenges around rising rents. I think in Southern Arizona over the last couple of years, income has risen by 4%. 
and rents have raised uh, between, I think, 19 and 25%. So obviously that's not sustainable. Uh, there yep. are some cities and towns in Arizona, Tom, talking about lobbying the state legislature to consider rent control. Uh, again, not necessarily within the purview of the Department of Housing, but you've lived in this world too. Uh, sh- should the state legislature consider uh, rent control legislation as a solution to this problem? Well, um, speaking philosophically, I will just recommend that people, everybody, look at the examples in other major cities where rent control is in place and to see the results of rent control. It's kind of like squeezing a balloon. Uh, think about that. You know, one of those long balloons that clowns like to, to, you know, to tie up. Squeeze one part of the balloon. One part increases while you decrease the middle of the balloon. Same thing's going to happen with rent control. We don't have enough housing, Zach. We're in a severe housing shortage, a supply and demand issue here, and it's happening all across the country. Why? Because it takes so long to build new housing all across the spectrum, from a million-dollar house down to the most uh, affordable, supportive housing community. It takes, it takes an extreme amount of time. And what kind of time am I talking about? Depending upon what city you're in, because it's the cities who control that process, it could take up to two years, up to two years to get a project off the ground. So while our nurses and our firefighters, police, teachers, et cetera, are, are looking for affordable housing, all these affordable housing plans are housing that is affordable. I liked how you said that, Zach. Uh, the plans are sitting on the books, waiting to be approved. Yep. We've got to get yep. we've got to get the pipeline open. Get those things get get yep. those things built. We have the finances, the money, the resources. We have the the developers ready and willing to go. We need more mm-hmm. housing all across the spectrum. Tom, what I'm about to say is not disparaging because I am a neighborhood president here in in the Tucson community. Uh, but Phoenix said no to 30 apartment complexes last year alone. That's not filling the pipeline, Tom. To your point, and, nope. and neighborhoods and, and local communities say no way more than yes, and then wonder how we get here. And uh, I think the supply demand match is a huge piece of that. Yes, absolutely, Zach. I, I agree completely. And again, going back to your original question, rent control. You know, some cities started doing that back in the 70s, right? New York City, for example. In New York City, do you know if you have a rent control department, you can actually leave it in your will to your next of kin? Okay, come on. That's not a workable system either. So there has to be some consensus in the middle, starting with the fact that we simply need more housing. Yeah. Tom, uh, we might have to put a pin in it there. Where can people go to keep track of your work at the Department of Housing and uh, stay on top of what you guys are doing? Thanks. azhousing.gov. azhousing.gov. They can see the dashboard in real time of how our mortgage assistance program is working, and they'll see all the other programs that are available to help finance the construction of new housing in Arizona. I love it. Tom, thanks for uh, being on a few times a year to keep walking us through the, the affordable and housing crisis in Arizona, and thanks for your work in the department's work. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Zach. Take care. Thanks, Tom. Happy Friday. Tucson, when we come back, we'll sit down with Liz Pocock, the CEO of Startup Tucson. We'll talk food and agriculture entrepreneurship in Tucson and Southern Arizona. Don't go away. We'll be right back on Tipping Point.
Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. In 2021, FC Tucson was just getting started. We're building something special that all of Tucson can be proud of. Don't miss FC Tucson in action in 2022. Secure your season tickets now at fctucson.com or call 520-600-3095 and download the FC Tucson app in the App Store or Google Play to get updates on MLS preseason as FC Tucson welcomes the biggest teams in U.S. soccer in January and February. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on the M1030 KVY, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people ideas and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, with Matt Neely, uh, who really makes the magic happen on the show every single day. It is our Bola Day Friday. It's our Bola Day Friday. Here Bola Thai Friday. Bola Thai Friday. I'm really bad at this, Matt. Our listeners are way better at remembering what we call our days than I am, but it's Friday. There you go. <laughs> Bola Thai Friday. State There's a story behind that. Bola Thai Friday. Yes. <laughs> we won't get into the story now, but there's a good story. And it's actually, you can listen back to uh, the story earlier on our podcast. Uh, you can listen to us, Tipping Point with Zach Yenser, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, kvy.com forward slash podcast. You can catch us in all those places. Anything you missed this week, find us there over the weekend. Uh, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall. And they're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger for all of their uh, most recent open hours, just a few doors down from the Rialto Theater. 
and mention that you heard about them on uh, uh, heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a fifteen one five percent discount off of your next meal. There, we just said goodbye to Tom Simplot, Arizona's uh, the director of Arizona's Department of Housing, uh, talking about his recent uh, confirmation by the Arizona State Senate in that role and a few of the things that they are up to. And talking about Tucson's uh, housing affordability crisis uh, here in the state. But we're going to turn to a completely different topic now. Liz Pocock is with us. She's the CEO of Startup Tucson. And we're going to talk about the uh, food entrepreneurship landscape here in Tucson, something that I think Startup Tucson has been really critical in moving forward. And we're now going to get an update on this part of our entrepreneurship ecosystem. Liz, happy Friday to you. Happy Bolotai Friday to you. Good morning. How are you? Happy Bolotai Friday. I wish I would have known and that we could be in person and see each other's bolo ties. That would be so fun. <laughs> I love that theme. That's great. So next time we have you on the show, we'll make it Friday. We'll wear our bolo ties. And I like I'll tell it. You I'll take a the- picture. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, so I know, Liz, we've got some details to talk about related to food entrepreneurship, but maybe I wasn't watching closely enough and correct me, but I really feel like over the last two or three years, Startup Tucson has really sunk its teeth into uh, Tucson being a place where food entrepreneurship can happen and where food entrepreneurs can succeed. Uh, give us the landscape. Why is Tucson... Uh, a place for food entrepreneurship and give us kind of the last couple years run through of how this industry has grown in this community. Yeah, so um, you're right. Startup Tucson has um, created some specific programs for food entrepreneurs in the last few years uh, because we really just saw a ton of momentum. I mean, we know that food is super important for Tucson's culture, for our, you know, many of the reasons that a lot of people love Tucson is our food scene, is our city of gastronomy designation, all of those things that make our city so special. And so we were just seeing that through our, our you know, kind of normal programming um, that we were just seeing tons of people launching really cool and interesting food businesses and that the support that they need is a little bit different than, say, a tech startup or a maker. Um, they have different kinds of questions. They need different types of support. So, you know, when you think of somebody that's making something and they need to, you know, think of their supply chain, if they'd like to source all local ingredients, those are different questions and different mentorships than somebody that's, um, you know, maybe building a tech startup. And so um, we started a few years ago um, as part of our 10 West Impact Festival and our annual idea funding pitch competition to really recognize food entrepreneurship as a separate um, kind of lane. Uh, there's lots of really amazing um, organizations that have been supporting food entrepreneurs for a long time, um, but just deeper support, different types of support. There's so many types of food entrepreneurs. You can think of somebody that you know, is selling at a market that's selling a value-added product, meaning something that's you know, like a salsa or a pancake mix to somebody that started a food truck to somebody that started one of our great restaurants. And so all those, those things have different questions. And we have um, really seen uh, this, this kind of space blow up here in Tucson um, since the gastronomy designation. And you're seeing lots of people travel to Tucson, maybe, you know, a little bit pre pre pandemic, but now we're starting to see those numbers come back for our food scene. Um, and so we wanted to be there to help support these entrepreneurs as they were growing. 
Very cool. I, you know, I think an example of a food entrepreneur, a food entrepreneurship that a lot of our listeners will automatically know the name of is Don Guerra at uh, Barrio Bread. And I think all the different yeah. things that he's done over the last few years that has turned into restaurant partnership concepts and USDA grants and obviously selling great bread here in Tucson, that's probably one of the premier examples within this city of gastronomy of of the booming field of, uh, of, of food entrepreneurship. Yeah, absolutely. Another really good one that I think a lot of people maybe don't don't know but don't really know the full story of is Tucson Tamale. So, you know, Tucson right. Tamale yeah. started with a small location on Broadway. You'd go in and get your tamales. They made them on site. The most they could do in a day was, you know, a few hundred. Um, they were all done by hand. Um, they opened additional locations where you could go in and eat tamales, but then they started to expand to think about what would it look like if we put these tamales in grocery stores. And that started here, and then now Tucson tamales are distributed at a national level, and um, they're in grocery stores all over the country, and they just opened, Todd and Sherry, the owners of Tucson Tamale, just opened um, less like I think maybe just a month ago, um, a new manufacturing location here in Tucson, in South Tucson. Um, they're employing a ton more people, and they can make so many tamales in a day. It is crazy. <laughs> um, their facility is beautiful, but it is you know one of those success stories that maybe people don't even realize that that's happening. Right? You see the, the you see the small restaurant, but there's stuff happening on a national level, and food entrepreneurs really do contribute to the fabric of our of our economy, and I think that's really unique for um, Tucson. I really do want to take some time in our part two of our conversation, Liz, together to talk about uh, your food business accelerator that you've launched out of Startup Tucson. But if you don't mind, this this is a little off script, but what you're sharing is making me think of another related field that seems to be really catching a lot of speed with federal dollars and a lot of national look, even here locally, would be ag tech. Uh, agricultural mm-hmm. technology, um, and certainly the University of Arizona has a lot of expertise and history in agriculture and agricultural technology. Is that a, is that a piece of this puzzle that's growing as well around food and agriculture entrepreneurship? Yeah, actually. Um, so Tucson was actually selected as a, a phase one recipient of um, of the Build Back Better Regional Challenge which is a fancy way of saying a federal grant opportunity. And um, one of 60 uh, cities or uh, regions across the country out of 550 applications, I think, um, to really create uh, an industry cluster around um, ag tech, food, and sustainability. And so um, we're seeing a lot of momentum in those spaces and this grant opportunity would give us an opportunity like a chance to kind of weave all those pieces together but you're seeing you know the university has amazing research that's coming out whether it's um, different types of you know crop resiliency there's drone technology um, around you know pesticides how you would better use that there's things about water conservation and we all know that that's super important for us here in Arizona Um, there's just amazing stuff that's coming out there's a number of companies that are currently at UACI and the tech parks that are in the ag tech space that are just doing some really cool things like you can think of 
you know, imagine to solve some of our food insecurity issues and urban um, and food desert issues that you could pop a container into a neighborhood that would be able to grow fresh produce and that neighborhood would be served by that. Those are some of the types of projects that are coming forward on the tech side um, and just really amazing things in Tucson that we um, are known for nationally. It's so cool. Liz, I was with Sharon Megdahl. I don't know if you run into her anywhere, but she's the director of the Water Resources Research Center at the University of Arizona. She was on the show yesterday for the full hour uh, speaking to some of the, real briefly, some of the innovations around irrigation that are mm-hmm. available. There's irrigation methods that uh, take use a lot of water, which is not something we really want to be doing in, in Arizona. And then there's some very precise Kind of, I think out of Israel, there's some technologies around some precise irrigation to maximize growth. And it just always makes me think, Liz, is so often our conversation broadly is around our scarcity and lack rather than some of the smartest people literally in the world working on some of these topics, whether it is food scarcity or water usage. We've got some really smart people trying to figure out some of our greatest problems. Um, and that's why I think where we should be focusing out of the University of Arizona, Startup Tucson, UACI, there are solutions to our problems and we often don't get there because we stop at just the problem. And uh, I think what you're doing around food entrepreneurship and your involvement in ag tech, I think speaks to all of that and our opportunities here in the region. So that's good news on a Bola Thai Friday, Liz Pocock. Yes, it is. Yeah, I do think, I mean, I think you're right, Zach. We just have, that's, and, you know, we were recognized for that opportunity, right? What this Build Back Better grant means is out of 500 and something applications nationwide, Tucson was recognized as one of 60 as a place that you could create true momentum given our existing resources, knowledge base, expertise, that, you know, with an infusion of some additional federal dollars, sky's the limit on what we could do here and how we could solve these grand challenges. And if we can figure out how to solve them here in our, you know, arid climate, in our desert where we're water, you know, in the middle of the longest drought in history, um, if we can figure out how to do precision agriculture and, um, you know, reduce pesticides and crop rotation that will um, result in better food quality and, you know, all of these things that are related to ag tech, but also our food ecosystem all the way down, you know, to how people get their food and where they get it and how healthy it is, um, you know, that's something that can be replicated nationwide and we can solve that problem. I love it. Again, we're with Liz Pocock. If you just joined us, the CEO of Startup Tucson, uh, our conversation today is focused around something that I think, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the segment, that Startup Tucson has really been a part of sinking their teeth into and the region's teeth into uh, around food entrepreneurship, agricultural technology, really saying we're the city of gastronomy. What does that mean for our local economy in all the ways? Liz is with us to talk about Tucson's food entrepreneurs. When we come back, part two of our conversation will focus a little bit more on recipes for success, a food business accelerator Startup Tucson has developed for existing and aspiring food entrepreneurs who have a product they want to sell, that and more on the other side. It's our last break of this Friday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY The Voice. We'll be right back. The Voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Impact of Southern Arizona serves 52 zip codes in Pima and Pinal counties and reinvests $2.5 million a year into the community. Join us for our Impact Expo on Tuesday, March 2nd, at the Tucson Chinese Cultural Center, where we'll be bringing a national speaker along with local partners and the community together to talk about how we can help people move from just getting by in a getting-ahead world to improving their life in our region. Go to impactsoaz.org for more information and to support Impact of Southern Arizona in improving lives and inspiring futures. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Hey guys, and yeah, I mean guys, if you're a man over the age of 30 and you want to accelerate fat loss, gain lean athletic muscle, and build habits to maintain results, then the Sustainable Strength System is for you. I'm hanging on to 30 pounds myself that I don't need, and in this new year, I signed up with Akil for this 90-day program that coaches you through reaching your fitness goals with a focus on intelligent programming, nutrition, injury prevention, and lifestyle. If you're ready for a three-month journey to help better your health and strength, go to SustainableStrengthSystem.com. This is Bill Buckmaster, the Tucson Fire Chief at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of a sudden, Arizona, Southern Arizona. Words are hard on a Friday. My goodness, Matt Neely. Thank God it's Friday. It's our bowl to tie Friday. Thanks to listener Brian for reminding us. Uh, it is Friday. It's our Friday edition of the show. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here, and we are closing in on the home stretch. Thanks for being with us all week and today. Uh, this uh, segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. Uh, just a few doors down from the Rialto Theater in downtown Tucson. They're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social at Little Love Burger on all the major social media platforms. And mention that you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15 1-5% discount off your next meal there. Uh, I was there earlier this week. 
It's excellent food. Uh, we're with Liz Pocock for the remainder of our time. She's the CEO of Startup Tucson. We're talking about Tucson food entrepreneurship and a little bit about uh, agricultural technology and entrepreneurship that really is derived around how do we uh, maximize the economic, local economic impact of Tucson being a city of gastronomy. Uh, and even around issues of food and water insecurity, I think we wandered into a conversation together around how do we stop having a mindset of managing scarcity and how do we instead create abundance through the people and ideas that are already here in this community who are some of the smartest people in the world on solving these grand challenges. That is not the mindset that for so long has been in Tucson, uh, but I think people like Liz Pocock and Startup Tucson are starting to change that narr- narrative um, and, and good on them. So Liz, I know we started 50,000 foot uh, above uh, above the conversation, but tell us a little bit about Recipes for Success. It is the food business accelerator for existing and aspiring food entrepreneurs that you've developed out of Startup Tucson. Give us kind of the scope of what this 10-week program looks like, and obviously anybody who's listening who fits in that category and might need uh, might need your helping hand there would encourage them to participate. Yeah, so um, like I was saying, we uh, really discovered that food entrepreneurs have um, different unique needs when they're trying to build businesses. Our food accelerator is specifically focused on helping you build a product-based um, a food food that's a product-based um, idea. So you can think of stuff like, again, pancake mixes, salsas, relish, um, things that you can sell kind of like packaged. So um, the idea for the accelerator really came, ro- came around um, right after COVID hit, and we saw a number of our food entrepreneurs that previously were selling fresh produce, fresh goods at farmers markets, basically lose all forms of income. So, you know, we were talking really macro. This is at the micro level. We saw yeah. um, business owners, you know, suddenly not be able to provide for their families. And so the, the idea behind the food accelerator really is to give um, entrepreneurs alternative forms of revenue. So, you know, if you have a slow crop cycle or, you know, you're trying to, um, so for those types of farmers market entrepreneurs, I give them something that's shelf stable that they could sell, you know, in the off season. It's also meant for people that have just general ideas around that. So you wanted to make a canned coffee or you've always had an idea to, um, you know, we had one of our participants in our first round is was actually a high school junior, amazing student, amazing, um, amazing kid who has always had a passion for his grandmother's horchata and never saw horchata bottled in a, in a grocery store that he could purchase and wanted to bring that product to market um, for the community so that others could enjoy that and, um, and you know, participate in that um, part of his food culture. So um, we run this course. It's 10 weeks um, every Monday evening. The first part of the, the first half is focused on you don't have to have any business knowledge coming in. We're going to, we're going to help you understand how to do your financials, how to do costing, how to do sourcing, um, how to build your kind of basic business plan. And then the second half is paired with some of our local food uh, heroes, celebrities, people like Don with Barrio Bread, um, our Tucson Tamale founders, you know, a lot of people that have already done this in Tucson um, to share what they've learned, to share, you know, how do you conquer supply chain issues? How do you source locally? How do you label your product? How now you have something and you've sold it at, 
you know, a market or you're selling it online, but hey, now you want to have it in a grocery store. How do you do that? How do you do distribution? Um, so it's really specific for food entrepreneurs. So unlike some of our other programming that's pretty general, this one dives really deep to give you everything that you would need um, to succeed. And then we end, of course, with a big fun party that we call the showcase. Um, and all of the entrepreneurs that have been in the in the product or in the in the accelerator at the end will have a product to showcase um, on that day. So we'll set up tables and um, we'll invite you know you invite your family, your friends. We invite distributors, we invite grocery store owners, we invite restaurant owners, we invite our mentors, um, and they walk around and you tell them why you built what you built and how you built it and they taste it and it's this amazing thing. We give away some money so that you can continue um, to the next step. We had secret shopper judges last time, so we'll do that again. Um, but but uh, yeah, so that's kind of how the program runs. It's entirely free. Um, this program was supported or is supported by a grant from the um, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Um, and so the program is free. There is an application to make sure you're the right fit and that you're willing to commit to the 10 weeks and that you have the time to come in and, and work with us and your fellow, um, the fellow people in your cohort. Um, but yeah, the application is open now. And if, if you've ever thought about building a food business or you know someone that has a food business that could benefit from a little bit of help, um, now's the time. That is uh, that is really cool. Uh, a success story, I would say, or a success story uh, in the in the making are are uh, my friends Holly and Louise Barnett. Yes, um, mm-hmm. they came they came through your first recipes for success food accelerator program. They are recreating uh, a great their great grandmother's um, uh, sweet relish. So Holly and her sister mm-hmm. um, and their grandma Hannah. Uh, basically sold this along Grange Road in rural Pennsylvania during the Great Depression. Uh, and you guys helped them figure out how to develop a label and a business model. And uh, I, I know Luis and Holly from Tucson Young Professionals and other things. I've actually known them for a number of years. And I literally ran into them outside of your offices in downtown Tucson. I was like, what are you doing down here? And they said, well, we're going through this program called Recipes for Success, and did you know? And then they were in the star, and it was cool to see mm-hmm. uh, some really good Tucson people uh, get the just kind of extra extra nudges along the way to turn a great family uh, heritage item into a, a modern-day product right here out of Tucson. So that's my personal yeah, connection exactly. to what you're doing, Liz. <laughs> Exactly. And they they are a perfect example, right? Somebody that they had this idea, they just needed that extra little push to come in and see how it would work and get started. I mean, we really do provide all of the support you need. There's, you know, if you've ever tried to do a product, you know, you have to have nutritional labeling. We have a connection with the U of A that will actually do that labeling for you. So we really try to make it, um, try to help you in this journey understand how you would launch this business and make it successful. So if you've ever thought about it, now's the time. Come and join us for our next um, cohort. The application is open now. Um, it will be open until Monday, so it's a pretty quick timeline, but it's very short. We just need to know what you're trying to build, um, how you're trying to build it, what what food product you want to work on, um, and then we'll let you know right away if you're accepted, um, and we start on March 14th. Very cool. 
we had Eric Smith and Carl Stewart on Liz talking about this week, talking about how we haven't seen this boom in startups and entrepreneurship since World War II. Uh, this is a significant moment, of course, driven in large part by COVID and the shifts that needed to be made out of that. So thank you, Liz, and your team for what you're doing for Tucson through Startup Tucson and this Recipes for Success Food Accelerator program and all the other things. And uh, thanks for making time for us on this Friday to give us an update ahead of the application deadline. Appreciate what you guys are doing. Great. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Liz, CEO of Startup Tucson. Have a great weekend, Liz, and have a great weekend to all of you, Tucson and Southern Arizona listening. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, We'll be talking with Anya Thompson and her husband, Lyle, on Monday. Anya is from Ukraine. We'll talk about someone who is from Ukraine, now here in Tucson, what uh, that all is like, watching what is happening from her vantage point. That'll be our Monday morning news hour conversation. Uh, Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll be back, Tucson, on Monday. Have a great weekend. Thank you.